Listen, listen, listen. This is the Black Country Blokes Tune the Facts about everything that is mental health. Now, we're not experts, but we are experienced, so we're encouraging you to share your experience because every experience is worth sharing. So please be part of the conversation. Listen, listen, listen. Abin, yeah, this is the Black Country Blokes Tune the Facts about mental health, disability, life in general. Here with me, Kev Dillon, and he's back. The Cadman, Lee Cadman, back to join us. We had upgraded you for a couple of weeks, Lee, but uh, I'll settle with you, old pal. Thanks, Kev. And today we're joined by Sam Johnson. How do you, mate? You're right. He was uh, one of my box. I've known Sam since he was a, a kid. Been up the gym for, I don't know, 15 years on and off. And now he's a physiotherapist who works at Russell's Hall. And we'll go into many different fractions. He just got started and then working at Russell's Hall and then... The madness happened. So we're going to get into that story in a bit. But first we're going to start the show with how we do every week. And that's gratitude. What are we grateful for this week? Well, we've got another bank holiday. And that's wonderful in itself. Uh, my, my daughter's been ever so poorly, bless her. She's had tonsillitis. And anyone who's got children, how worried you are. when you've been, like She's six years old now. And when they're a baby, you're used to waking up all night, having sleepless nights. But we've had that for a week of um, fever dreams and temperatures and being poorly and overall just feeling nasty and vile. And I'm so happy now that the antibiotics have worked and she's feeling better. So I'm grateful for health, medicine and loving the family. Lee, what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for this radio not messing up. There's a lot of things flashing on my screen here, Kev. I'm a bit worried. <laughs> but no, uh, what am I grateful for? I am grateful this week. I'm going to go back to um, just basics. I'm, I'm grateful to have a bit more energy. Um, after suffering COVID for a couple of weeks, it's been great to be able to do a bit of training, have a bit more energy about the house. Because you know what it's like when you're feeling absolutely terrible and... Um, it takes even a cold. I think takes a, even takes a good four weeks after you think you've finished it to really recover. Um, but it's great to be getting back to back to normal. And Sam, what are you grateful for? Uh, simple things, really. I'm grateful this Friday tomorrow. Mm. Uh, weather's picking up. Back to training. Um, and yeah, my hangover from the weekend's gone. So <laughs> <laughs> simple things. <laughs> what you say in training? You've been coming to our free sessions in the day and popping up on the nights. Arra- arranged shifts, haven't you? Yeah, so um, usually I work Tuesday through to Friday, and if I've got a weekend off, I'll have the Thursday, Friday off. Um, so I'll pop up in the daytime, um, and obviously on the evenings, men's class on Mondays and Wednesdays. But you've always, like, a fit lad, you've done it all your life, some form of martial arts or training. And you've said to me, it's it's part of your mental well-being, your therapy, is by doing exercise. Yeah, I mean, exercise definitely, but I think boxing in particular, but also just the the Lions Boxing Club itself. Um, you know, as you always say, once a lion, always a lion. Mm-hmm. It's that family ethos, that culture that you, that you bring to it. It's, you can go to a few clubs and, you know, you can be walking into the club and just being expected to box, being expected to spar. And I think, like you and Bob said the other, the other day at the club, you, you don't have to box at Lions. It's it's just something, somewhere where you can go to find refuge. You know, you can be there and have a chat with, you know, any of the coaches, any of the boxers there. You make friends there. It's, it's just a good environment to be at. 
It's lovely, like I was on the phone to um, uh, to wedding in a few weeks. Martin Graham just used to box for us back in the day. He hasn't trained for years, but they phone you up, invite you to weddings, and then certain lads because they're seeing us posting on Instagram and Facebook, and and old faces coming back in, and a lot of times it's not that they've left; they just haven't been there. Mm. They've just been somewhere else, and it's nice when they can come back in and. The place hasn't changed. Might be some new faces, but the same family vibe is there. And it's great when like the the old boys come back and they want to help coaching because all they're doing then is passing forwards the love and the knowledge. Yeah, I mean, well, as you say, I've been going on and off now for it's been fifty about fifteen years, mm. and it's it, my my issue is I can never. <laughs> I can't ever stay there long enough to get fit but it's, it's not because you don't want to it's, mm. as I said stuff gets in the way um, but it's always got that open door policy it's not like oh you've left and you're not allowed back in or you mm. have to work your way back in it's it's just kind of it's always open it's always nice you, you go there you see familiar faces you see like I said your mum Julie your dad uh, Big John, mm-hmm. anyone really? Just pop you in just, there, you, you just slot back in, don't you? Yeah, you, exactly. I mean, there's, there'll be a quick conversation like, "Oh, well, yeah, you've been out seen you in a while," but then it's just routine as normal. Yeah, exactly normal. It's it's a, yeah. There is always old faces in there, isn't there? There's some. There's always someone, you know. If, yeah. Even if it's not the coaches, there's always someone, you know, in there. Um, yeah, and it's just like 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 picking back up with an old friend. I think when you're a child, it's great because if your mum, your dad, your guardian, someone takes you there and you haven't got to worry about you finish school or whatever, your food's there. But when you become a grown-up, we're all so eager of being an adult or a grown-up. And when you get there, you've been out on shifts or you're tired or you haven't got the money or when the world gets in the way of your hobbies, it's hard, isn't it? And what have we got to learn through lockdown? And I was saying... When we go back to the real world, I'm not going to smit the small stuff. I'm going to see real friends. I'm going to... But it's so hard to actually back your, your promises to yourself, isn't it? Because when you're back on the hamster wheel of life, you think, blooming heck, I've been meaning to pop up. I just haven't had time. It, it's your hobbies are the first thing to go in that situation, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. like, you've, you've got to go out to do your job, to put the roof over your head and all the rest of it and, and kids on your kids on your clothes back <laughs> <laughs> clothes on your kids back so y- your hobbies kind of fall by the wayside first before anything else happens and really it's it's probably the wrong way of doing it because it's also the usually no matter what hobby hobby it is it's usually the thing that actually keeps you staying and keeps you going for us talking to Tucker one of our um, ex-boxers um, Tom Tucker and he was saying because it's funny you know when you're a child you love painting, you love dancing, you love singing. You And for whatever reason, through growing up, and uh, I like painting, but then Lee says, oh, you can't paint, it's not cool, or I like singing, and Sam goes, oh. So you end up packing in the things you naturally are drawn to. And I think one good thing of lockdown was, when you had time with no one else around you, you could fall back in love with these simple things that you've stepped away from. But then it's having the discipline to pursue them, now we're able to do other things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like I said, I was massively into art as a kid. Always wanted to do something to do with art. And then through lockdown, it gave me the first time that I've ever, ever uh, wanted to paint. I painted a, a Mike Tyson fo- um, picture. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've got it at home. Um, my, well, I finished the Bruce Lee one, but I messed up his face, so I want to quickly edit it. But um, yeah, I did a, a, a 
Mike Tyson painting and everyone was like, oh, that's never the first painting you've ever done. It's like, it's just one of the things I was naturally good at art as a kid, but it's something I've not had time to do as an adult. I've not done art since, I didn't pick it for options, so I was what, about 12, 13, and that's kind of it. That was one of the last things I ever did. Um, done a few drawings here and there, but never really had or couldn't find the time for it always had other things going on or so you know but what lockdown's probably taught you is make the time for it because you know it's, if it's something you enjoy it's going to keep you your well-being going well into it it isn't and it is it's not just when it is your hobby as kev said it's not just that life gets in the way it's kind of there's almost with some of it a bit of a stigma as well especially with with boxing that oh you're too old for it now like mm. you're at 25 and you're mm. too old in in boxing aren't you that's the attitude isn't it not with the coaches not with the lions but i mean in general in general you're too old at that point but you've got to i think you yourself have got to decide when that when you are you're never too old to change the path of it either mm. so okay you, you've hit 40 years old you can't box amateur no more but there's nothing stopping you being a coach and being in the, the gym still and still enjoying that environment and getting round and doing that and training and if you're up yeah, to that training. level you can still spar you can still and if you're in a good club it doesn't mean it's got to be a bloodbath it's controlled and you know it's different levels there's always a place isn't that mm. for stuff yeah and I think that's where we go wrong is um, I enjoy singing well I'm never going to send uh, sell a hundred million <laughs> but if you enjoy singing sing if it's going down your local boozer if it's just singing on karaoke if it's if you enjoy doing it do it for the fact that you enjoy it. And I think like with drawing, prime example, I know if you go down professional routes, it could be, but all you need really is a pencil and paper. Mm. And instead of scrolling on our social medias, just have a little draw and just, you haven't got to finish your masterpiece on an ad break. Just every time you've got five minutes, chip away at it, chip away. Like writing your songs or your poetry or whatever it is. But what we do is, I'll find time to help Sam. I'll find time to help Lee. I'll find time to help Jeff. But this self-love, this self-worth, this self, we often struggle with that. And I know it's a cliche, love yourself. And But so many of us are so selfless, but we'll give our time to anyone else who even remotely needs it. But we've got to stop and just think, you know what? I too am worth it. I too am worth a reward. And that that isn't it better to be doing a hobby um than having a couple of points? <laughs> but you know, it's like but it's, al- it's almost um squashed as well when you're when you're leaving school, isn't it? Because the conversation when you're when you're with your or, or from my my experience and no doubt well, yours might be the same, you can let us know. But when you're speaking to the guidance counsellor who's meant to say if you weren't to your guidance well I'm going to be an artist they'd kind of look at you and go well hold up you know Mm. is that really the way you want to go Mm. you know that creative side because there's two things you usually do as hobby and one's creative and one's sport Mm. isn't it you know it fits into those brackets and that's kind of squashed at that point isn't it it's not seen as a a job opportunity so it's squashed at that point and you go well actually you're not you you know you need to get a job not be an artist not not do this you need to get a job well big pete um he's a photography teacher and he always says there's not enough money put into the art mm. photography teacher because it's a oh la di da acting and art but sports and- is the same isn't it kev like yeah. if you went well, if you went to the garden and said well i'm going to be uh, a professional footballer 
they'd almost go, well, you know, you, you need to make sure you're backing that up. Not, mm. And I think the encouragement needs to be, well, actually, if you get out there, practice enough, you'll be a professional footballer. Mm. Don't try and don't try and squash people's dreams I've never met anyone in all my interviews and all the people I talk to who had a positive experience from the guidance counsellor I wanted to be a journalist who went with your eyes and went oh no you won't, you'll never do that and, you'll, and I've never met anyone who's gone you know what son or girl or whoever it's going to be blooming hard I mean it's going to be hard but if you want it enough and you work it there's a chance you could do it you know not like flare it up and go oh yeah everyone could do anything with no hard work because that's that's just as poisonous yeah it's giving false hope but just go look it's going to be blooming hard really hard but if you want it and you work as hard as it is then you can beat it and you can achieve it wouldn't that be lovely to hear yeah well that's the way it ought to be isn't it that's the way but again without without getting into too much it's school isn't aimed that from from primary school right the way up to the end of secondary school you're not aimed to go out there and be creative to to be an entrepreneur you're not you're not trying to do that you're, you're trying to be able to read out of a book okay. and recite it and that's it, it's everyone's got to be a doctor everyone's got to be academic you've got to feel like some people are going to be in the trenches some people will be telling the people in the trench what to do and some you know what i mean there's a, there's a place for all of us to be a mechanic you've got to be clever to build a wall, you've got to be clever. To put someone's heart in, you've got to be clever. To there's so many different forms of intelligence, but we can't look down on someone because he's not my form of intelligence. Mm. Yeah, I haven't got a form of intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you've got communicated, you can't <laughs> oh, yourself down there, there, mate. But but it, it, we've all got these talents, but we go, hmm. He's. I was saying this to Jazz. I mean, the other day, my daughter, and she was saying, "Oh, he's clever." Or mommy's clever. She works in HR and. I went, well, is Daddy clever? She went, oh, yeah, yeah. I went, but is this clever? Because the person who's can add up sums, oh, yes, Daddy. Adding, you've got to be very clever. If you can add and you can do your readings, you're very clever. I went, but how about Grandad who who, who put your swing together? Well, no. I went, but can you do it? Hmm. Well, no, Daddy. I went, and Daddy couldn't do it. So you've got to be clever to do this. And yes, Daddy. And, and these flowers, have you got to be clever to water? No, Daddy's just sun and water. But... And, and then you explain, and she's going, oh, yes, Daddy, you, you do need to be clever. And maybe that's where we're going wrong, of just because I can recite Shakespeare and I, just because I can play a, a piano like Mozart, <laughs> there's many geniuses out there, yeah. but we just don't class them as being geniuses. Mm. Yeah, it's that, it's that comparison, though, isn't it? That's the thing that everyone's doing now is, like you are saying earlier, you don't have to you know be excellent at singing as long as it makes you happy mm. you don't have to be excellent at art as long as it makes you happy but what people are getting stuck in now is oh i can't i can't post that that video of me singing because i'm not i'm not um beyonce or mm. i can't put that photo that that picture up that i drew or painted because it's not picasso i can't do that because because you're always self-comparing you know if you're always saying oh like you're saying with your daughter saying oh I think your granddad's not clever because you know but you couldn't put the swing together it depends who you're surrounding yourself to or you're comparing Mm. yourself to everyone's clever in their own way it's just where you put yourself and sometimes it's you just make up some picture and you're so proud of it so proud of it and you put it on there and you get two likes or even a hate comment and you're thinking Mm. why um, if I belittled your picture does it make me a better artist by me 
putting you down doesn't get me higher. And I think that's where people go wrong. There's enough food on the table of life that I haven't got to eat off your table. I haven't got to eat off your plate. There's enough to go around. And just by insulting you doesn't make me better. And I think there's too much of that now. Freedom of speech is the best thing in the world. But just because you've got the right to say whatever you want, have you got the right to be nasty just because you can? I know that saying, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. Back what you're saying, but don't be vile about it. Allow people to have opinions doesn't mean you've got to fall out to be rude. And sometimes when you're seeing it on social media, and people are just being vile for the sake of vile. But it's always, it's always it, it, obviously there is vile comments on social media, but someone can be on there trying to give constructive criticism. Yes. And because you're doing it within text... Yeah. It's, it can be misinterpreted yeah. as well. And and things like that can knock you down, can't it? Mm-hmm. Whether you yeah. mean it to or not, it can do it. We had, um, I had some training today, actually. It was on about emails and communication via email. And it's like, you know, you, you're only putting across one out of the three channels of when, when you're putting text out there. Mm-hmm. You're only putting across the message. You're not picking up on the, the tone that is either sent in. And you've got to know that person well enough to understand what tone they intended for it. So, for example, um, I work with someone at work who I get on with really well. If he sent me um, uh, an email which could have been took either way, I know him well enough to think, oh, he's meant that in a funny way. He's meant that with some sarcasm. If he sent the same email to someone else, mm-hmm. it could be took wrong. wrong yeah. But I think the thing is with social media, it just puts people on the platform to say what they want and, and uh, yeah, just get away with it. I think Tyson said, oh, people are too comfortable now without, with saying what they want without getting punched in the mouth. Well, that was a, a life lesson for everyone, wasn't yeah. it, Dad? Yeah, and I've, sometimes I'm not saying violence is the answer, but um, there has got to be accountability for your actions. Mm. And if you get out the car at the safari park and start stroking a lion, and the lion bites your arm off, that happens also in the real world. You know, if you say certain things and do certain things, there will be a repercussion. And that's not being in a PC world; that is the real world. If you touch the fire, you'll be burned. If you can't swim and you jump in the sea, you're drowned. <laughs> it's, I mean, I think the the thing is with... If you were to say some of the things that the, the trolls do say face-to-face, they mm. would see a reaction and see the, the kind of devastation that they're causing. And, and potentially that could be enough to then change them but because it's because mm. it's a message again you're not face to face you don't you don't see how, how much it's affecting that person do you keyboard warriors yeah it's not people are brave on the phone oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know and, and you know if if you wouldn't say it to someone's face don't say it at all should we go to a couple of songs yeah and we're back. The Black Country Blokes on Black Country Extra. And we're joined with Sam Johnson. Now, we had two songs to start us off at the start of the show. And those two songs there. So why did you pick them, Sam? Uh, as I was just saying to you, Lee's the ones that had no swearing in what I usually <laughs> listen to. <laughs> so you had is, uh, for he- Forever Young, Jay-Z Forever young, and yeah. Yellow Coldplay. Yeah, so um, my, well, my music library on my phone is vast and and wide uh, you know uh, you could go through there find frank snarch at one end slipknot at one end and yeah. then uh two pack and everything and, 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 and so it was just um 
some to be fair is just some of the most re- recently listened songs that I found. Um, and uh, basically, he was invited on late notice. You, you <laughs> panicked a bit and just sent ten songs to us, didn't you? Yeah, we've, we've yeah. been there ourselves. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of them, like I said, I really do like, such as that one just gone, uh, Blur Two. I think it's one of them that that really gets you ready for mm. for exercise and stuff. Um, and then Yellow, uh, brilliant songs just to chill out to. I think we've got the Kooks one later on as well. Unfortunately, not nah. the one you wanted, but I have ah, got right. the Kooks song. Yeah, and then you've got my mate's song on there, uh, Giant in the Georges. Uh, well, he comes on after us. Oh, yeah. Sam does. Oh, does he? Well, uh, he pre uh, pre recorded. Ah, right. <laughs> We're one of the other ones. <laughs> but um, yeah, Sam. We'll talk about him after his songs. Yeah. Great, great laddie. I mean, he's been up there almost as long as you, hasn't he, Sam? Uh, I think I was getting him. So basically, um, he's probably about year. 10 year 11 we're at, at my old school um we used to <laughs> we used to have this thing called fight club first <laughs> rule don't talk we, yeah well i'm gonna talk about <laughs> it, it all the way look. we're gonna we only had some four ounce gloves just like the little mitts yeah and uh everyone would fight each other i wasn't allowed to fight i was just the coach i, I was the ref there's like you can't fight i was like okay and i had one fight against someone who um who uh, yeah he did karate I, I punched him once he's like oh no i can't do that so like, fine. <laughs> uh, but then like i said there's a couple of people there that actually wanted to get into boxing like I said, your dad just come into into the school as well. And me, uh, I was just a lot slimmer back then. Nah, you definitely. Uh, I used to go to all the schools with him. Nah, honestly. you wasn't. Honestly, nah, not when we was doing it. Honestly, nah, he wasn't. As long as he's been doing the schools, <laughs> I was doing them. You I, I did Penn's Net, Buckpool, King, oh, uh, not, yeah. not King's Winford, Crestwood. All right, uh, Lisa's. Well, yeah. um, Honestly, I did it all. Everyone remembers that. They don't remember me. I was just the uh, the little quiet guy in the background. <laughs> you probably weren't much older than them, were you? Well, no. I'm, you I'm, probably I'm... just blended in with them, Kev. Well, that's it, you know. I was <laughs> coach. He's had a beard since he was 10. <laughs> <laughs> just got some of the uh, the spare the spare uniform and put it on. But, but, um, but yeah, so, and, and like I said, then started taking him up and uh, yeah, just enjoying it. But lovely people. But what, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk about... Uh, your, what's your full title? Um, so my full title is the senior physiotherapist um, at Russell's Hospital, and I work on the AMU ward, A2 ward, or in the ED department. Um, so yeah, I just cover those three areas really. Front door team basically. And what does the front door team mean? Um, so a lot of the time we see patients that have had falls, patients that are you know generally unwell that frail people that need um a bit of extra support going home so as part of the therapy team we obviously make sure they can walk certain distances do all the transfers so getting out from the chair getting up and off of the toilet so basic things that you take for granted but actually are really quite important um obviously working alongside occupational therapists as well as one big therapy department uh providing the right equipment so equipment for the toilets um, doing simple things such as wash and dress assessments, kitchen assessments, um, working as part of a bigger team, so alongside obviously doctors, consultants, nurses, um, healthcare assistants, uh, CSWs, all those kind of people to make sure that the patient basically gets home with the right, you know, the right support. So if I feel the person needs a uh, package of care is what we call it so that would be carers going out and that could be to you know get the patient up on the morning um make sure the wash dress fed uh 
medication prescription or not prescription but provision um, and, and even getting them back into bed at night so I make sure they're doing it all safely um, so I'll put a recommendation for how many cares how many carers they can have or you know how much of a care package they need um, and making sure that they get the therapy out of it so if we discharge someone um, and they're still like a little bit shaky and you think oh, well they could get all the all their transfers aren't as good as what they were coming in but they're at a suitable level where they can go home obviously they get therapy going out to the house so they continue to progress that um, so they can live a more independent life hopefully because um, I bet so many of them they want to go home yeah but that place you know may, imagine they've raised their own children maybe even grandchildren there and when you don't feel safe at home because mm. you and I think uh, we've all known people like this once you lose your confidence and you keep having tumbles and you can't get up and you can't get to the phone and you're waiting for someone, maybe you care or you love one to come and get you. And I think once you lose your mojo and that confidence, that's when a lot of people throw in the towel, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we always have a bit of a laugh on the way. It's almost like, you know, we, we, we're cheerleaders. Um, <laughs> people yeah. come in and it's like, oh, you know what, I can't go back home or um, I'm not feeling too great going back home because I've had three falls or x y and z's happened in, in the past couple of weeks couple couple months and and yeah you, you do see people literally rock bottom you know some people have had a fall they've been there for you know six hours eight hours because either they've not been able to reach a pull cord or it's been that long between care calls or you know sometimes just unfortunately it is the way it is i mean the ambulances there's only so many ambulances out on the road um and it takes them sometimes it can take them a while to get to a patient it's no one's fault uh, it's just that's the way things are at the minute um, and yeah so you, you'll take people from that state and either you know re-enable them to go home give them the confidence teach them how to walk well not teach them how to walk but re-enable them to walk um, or like I said providing the best alternative so if they do want to if they make that decision that actually I'm not I'm not confident going home you you gotta discuss that obviously with the patient, um, families as well. Sometimes families can be, families can be um, they can not be, as supportive as you'd like. Sometimes, uh, but yeah, that comes from concern. That comes. It's not you know, if if your mum was in hospital, touch wood, she's, yeah. she you know, touch wood, she stays out of that place. But if she does, you're going to want the best care for of her. Course. So if you've got worries, if you've got concerns, you're not going to want your mum or your dad going home uh, without those uh, those concerns being addressed. You know, if you're there saying, well, you know, my mum had a fall on on Saturday, Sunday, and she was really confused. How is it that? You know, you're saying that she could go home already. It's only been a week and, you know, she's not going to have all these carers. And it's like, it's made difficult as well because of COVID, not having, you know, visitors in as often or as freely as what it was before. So they don't necessarily get to see that change. Um, but at the same time, without, you know, being, you know, degrading to some people, it's, they don't understand that people can actually have a quick turnaround and that's what we're there for on the front door team is to enable that quick turnaround you know it's it's not with chucking people out it's we're doing a good job enough to, to get these patients turned around we we that's the idea is that they don't have a hospital mission because if you get admitted to hospital mm-hmm. the outcomes just go down and down and down because you go into hospital being able to, to you know walk for 50 metres which is what some people can only do or te- or 15 metres mm. around you know from your living room to the bathroom and back mm. now if you're admitted to hospital and 
you know, you, you're not getting out of bed and or you're not walking as far, then your exercise tolerance is going to go down. Yeah. Now, you know, you know what it's like when you go to the gym or you're boxing and you don't go for a month. Yeah. Well, for older people, unfortunately, that happens a lot quicker. Now, if all you can do is walk 15 metres or 20 metres and you're not being able to do that for a week, then guess what? You're not going to be able to do that. Um, I think so, a lot of people did get old over COVID as well, didn't they? For that exact same reason. Yeah. Like my parents, bless them, they didn't really leave the house for like the best part of no. six months. I and wasn't you know, allowed to. <laughs> and you know, Dad, he's a big, strong, fit guy. But when you just, like, bless him, my mum, on her hour a day, mm. was doing a, a kilometres around the village and walking back. She she had to do it for a mind's sake. Of, of, yeah. But she, we couldn't see each other. We haven't to, thank goodness we had, like, um, uh, the video calls now yeah. and we'd stand at the bottom of the garden when we're dropping the shopping off uh, but it was so weird but some people are doers and i think less you do less you want to do and as you say then your muscles deteriorate and i can't do what I, I used to do and you get used to being lazy and then before you know it you can't do virtually anything or and then you've lost the confidence to Yep. to build those muscles back up but it goes further than that doesn't it sam because it's also your posture goes out the window and yeah. and poor poor posture especially as you get older especially as your muscles don't hold you up as well it can affect your breathing it can you, you lead, it can lead to more infections yeah it there's a whole host of yeah. issues around just staying in bed isn't there well exactly i mean you know part of my part of my role being on part of ED as well is um, chest physio um, so that's not necessarily a new role to myself but it's something I've not done massive because my, my, my background is MSK physio so musculoskeletal stuff and then coming into the hospital um, especially during COVID I've had to um, you know do refresher courses and up my skills on that area and, and yeah you know being in bed for long periods of time where you're not fully ventilating your lungs you, you're going to breed infections and chest infections and like i said there's there's covid out there there's um all sorts all sorts of nasty stuff um you know when people are in bed and you, you're not breathing as deeply even sitting up can be better for your lungs than lying down um because you can get more or less stale air in there which is like i said going to breed infections which then makes everything else worse because if you can't breathe then you can't walk so it's a vicious cycle really and it's having to have the awareness and, and uh, being able to interpret that and just being able to intercept it and break that cycle, really. And it's, it can be difficult, to be fair. And what, what chest... Because you mentioned this to me at the club and I never yeah. knew even such thing as a chest physio. Yeah, so, um, you know, if someone's... If someone's generally in there, they're short of breath, they've got infective exacerbations of COPD, which is where... Mm. So COPD is chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder. Um, it's quite common as well, isn't it's it? Very, yeah, it's very common. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, really common, whether that be through smoking, whether that be through, um, you know, other environmental factors. I mean, a lot. I was talking to a friend um, at work, and he's originally from Singapore, and he said over in Singapore, where you'd expect because the air quality isn't as good, he said you don't, you hardly get as many people having COPD. And we was discussing it, and one of the things that came up a lot actually was um, asbestos use. So because that used to be in a lot of the ceilings, a lot of the older people now, maybe it's not obviously, it can, it's just our thought at the time, maybe that's one of the reasons why a lot of these people have the, the, these issues. A lot of the people that get COPD have unfortunately been around, um, 
you know, some people just don't have the healthiest of lifestyle choices, and whether that be through choice or through the situation they're put in. Um, so yeah, that can be one of the things, and it's just having to make sure that the chest is clear so they get enough oxygen in, um, and so you keep them alive basically. Um, and one of the things that I have to do as a physio is sounds silly, but make people cough, um, make sure them doing breathing exercises. Um, auscultate the chest so listening for equal air entry making sure that they're actually getting air into there um, you know interpreting not I won't be the one who's diagnosing from a, a chest x-ray but I'll have to have a look at chest x-rays and try and notice anything on there uh, and some of the more invasive stuff um, is what we call deep suctioning so that might be if someone's got a lot of what we call sputum or secretions on the chest so basically mucus um nasty infected build up um, if they can't clear it themselves and their oxygens are going low and the becoming you know less less uh, responsive what i'll do is um put basically like a, an mp nasal pharyngeal airway or an op airway and oral pharyngeal airway in and thread like a about a, a catheter down there which is about probably about 12 mil wide um probably about 60 centimetres long so you've got basically go up through the nose if you do an MP all the way back down into the lungs and yeah you literally it's, got, it's basically got a hoover stuck onto it on the wall I do it all the time for my daughter uh, well did I don't have to yeah. anymore luckily but um, so, yeah, you know exactly what I mean. yeah. yeah but it amazes me because we, we, we've been doing it we were doing it probably close on four years yeah um at various stages through that four years for my daughter all kinds of suction physio the the chest patterns yeah the cushions on the chest and it it, when you are monitoring this because obviously you're monitoring oxygen Mm. levels in the hospital we do it we did it at home as well it's amazing how just moving um a position yeah so let's you're lying on your back to to lying on your side yeah how that how much that actually affects the rate that you can breathe at yeah mm. and how much oxygen you can actually consume yeah that's like oh, that or the amount of oxygen that's in the blood in, yeah. in the blood so if um for example if you've got a good lung and a not so good lung so you've got a, a lung that's collapsed or got a lot of secretions on what we always say is good lung down so we make sure that the lung so if it was the left side, you lie on your left side, and that's because where the air goes in and the oxygen exchange takes place and the um, the blood sec- pulls around, it's, it's best for VQ matching. And it's it's almost counterintuitive to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Because you'd think, well, the lung that's working the best, I want you that to be able to move as easily as possible. Yeah. But so if my left lung's the, poorly, uh, the good one, yeah. So if my lungs to good lung, I'd lie on my left side. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, As you say, I, I'd have said that was the opposite way around. Yeah. So I'd have thought, have the good one on top so that can fill up more. But then you got How to think where the blood's flowing to it. Yeah. So because fl- it's yeah. harder for blood to go up than it is to go down. So it's GLD, gold, good lung down. Um, How about that? Yeah. But uh, that's why I love this show, uh, like with the de- uh, dementia. and I love learning stuff like that because... Mm. I, I'm ignorant. I don't, I don't know. I'm, you know what I mean. But by learning that, mm. I'll pass that knowledge on to everyone. Well, their dog. You know what I mean. But that, that's <laughs> like a good chat. <laughs> no, but that, that that information could yeah. potentially save someone's life, couldn't yeah. it? Oh yeah, very much so. Very much so. That's well. That's why you do it, isn't it? Because yeah. that's that's what it does. If it clear, if it starts clearing, clearing the your lungs and you can breathe better, then. But it's also I've been reading a book lately or listening actually, mm. um, a book called Breathe, and I think it's James Nestor 
who's the author, and I highly recommend it, but he goes into different techniques of breathing mm. and how... We all know breathing's important, yeah. but there is a way of getting quality breaths as well, yeah. you know, um, and and how much doing quality breaths, slower breathing, longer breathing, how much it can actually help a whole ailment of things if you're suffering. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not just your lungs. Actually, if you're breathing correctly, it helps your blood flow. Yep. I would you say know, breathing's it's, it's, quite important, though, Lee. I would. Well, no, I'm saying <laughs> yeah, it's important, but you take it for granted, don't <laughs> yeah, you? Yeah. Because you just do it. It's, it's not something you consciously think yeah. about. But if, if you actually go into the science behind it, if you, you can... Mm. You, we don't tend to breathe properly is what I'm saying. There is a proper way of breathing. If you breathe that way, it can get rid of a load of ailments that you're suffering. But so. isn't it funny, like, breathing, as you said, it's the most natural thing in the world. Hang us upside down. To, we will breathe. And if we don't breathe, we die. It's simple as that. But when you're having a panic attack or when you're doing exercise, when you, and as you said, to be coached how to do something so natural, it sounds weird, doesn't it? Mm. But when I, when I run... I, Henry, my dad always says this you run you hold your breath you get onto the bus then you start breathing instead of breathing or boxing when I throw a shot it's like blowing out a candle or I'm having a panic attack and you feel like you can't breathe it's reminding yourself that you can it's, uh, while I was away I was, I was listening to this book on the way down to my van and caravan and, and then I was doing running while I was away and he recommended some tips for while you are exercising and one of them was just try this so I went out on a run and just breathed as I normally would, didn't concentrate on it. The next time I breathed only through my nose and my heart rate, I did exactly the same run. Obviously this isn't, this isn't in a scientific environment, yeah. I was, you know, but I did the same run. My mileage was roughly the same in time-wise, but I breathed only through my nose and my heart rate was lower and I recovered quicker. It's like um, that Iceman that was one interview. Yeah, Will Wim Hof. Wim Hof. Yeah, I've read both He's of his books. He's doing a lot actually. of breathing techniques. Yeah. So, you know, for... For usual, I think you know if you fall into ice water, I think you've got like something silly like four minutes, but until you, you, you're more or less going to drown because you panic, mm-hmm. um, you, you, your body goes into shock. But through doing certain breathing techniques, is is taught people, and I think he's got a show on TV at the moment yeah. actually. Well, he's actually he's took I can't remember many people, and stuff. but he's, he's took people up Everest with no oxygen, which is pretty much. And these people he took are literally people off the street. Mm. who had all sorts of ailments and problems and he did his breathing technique for so long with them then took them up Mount Everest and you just, so it does show you the importance of, of doing it and doing it correctly mm. but we're going to uh, have a little rest now we're going to have a little rest we're going to put some music on then we're going to come back into um, I mean uh, Sam was quite new on the job doing his physio and then the madness hit so we're going to go into how it was get, doing all that and we're back on our home of Black Country Extra. And we... What did you have them songs? Um, well, the last one, uh, Giant in the Georges, that is, uh, as I said, one of the lads that comes to the boxing club and is in a really good band called Giant in the Georges, believe it or not. Um, Listen to their show after hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, Stan by Eminem, Die Die, is just one of them all-time greats, isn't it? I love the song. Um, oh, yeah. So, I mean, what was the other one? That was, two. that was just two, yeah. <laughs> yeah just uh, yeah, brilliant songs. So with the coronavirus, when he hit, I mean, it, it took us all from well, we just didn't know what was going on. It's like the plague had yeah. hit the hit the world. 
and at the time you were living with your mum and dad yeah. and then you had to find because like, of having um, uh, health problems in the family you couldn't go back home so then you had to move out of home and people don't know the sacrifice that people had to make who worked in the NHS having to move out of your home because you were trying to do your 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 humanity obligation to help people, but at the same time, you didn't want to take it back to your own family. Yeah, of course. I mean, like I said, at the time I was working at the, the health centre in Bradhill um, as a musculoskeletal f- uh, physiotherapist, so not even in the hospitals, uh, but then because the appointments all got cancelled, same as the doctors, etc., um, until we could figure something out because we couldn't have people coming in because, um, like I said, we didn't hardly anything about it uh, but then we got redeployed so I was part of a what we call the proning team so people who had COVID really bad is uh, where we had rolled them onto the front basically um, now part of that was you know is uh, as you said I live with um, my mum who's on immunosuppressants um, so put in the high risk category um, and like I said no one knew what was going to happen if you got COVID it's still a massively new thing so I'm stressed about that I'm stressed about what if I take it back home to mum so um, yeah I think it was as I say I think it was yourself who said oh um, the Wellington pub in Silver End they had offers to because they, they were B&B as well as a pub as uh, so they offered their rooms out to NHS workers free of charge. And good on them. Good yeah. on the places that stepped yeah. up to the mark. And that's what I mean. I mean, it, is, it could have been easy for a lot of people then just to say, no, we don't want it in. Um, but no, they, they stayed there. And not only did they give us a room, but they was giving us food. Um, so they were staying there. They was, they was making sure they was fed. It was brilliant. I can imagine that took a heap off your mind. I mean, yeah. as, as I spoke to you earlier, my, my daughter's... Uh, suffered with a lot of chest infections mm. and when COVID come along you know she'd been in, co- uh, in comas because of chest infections so the panic in our household to begin with was I mean I think I said I took the kids out of all my kids out of school got three children two of them there's that no disabilities at all they're happy healthy and my youngest who's severely, severely disabled And I, but I took all the kids out of school two weeks before Boris denounced schools were mm. closing because because of the fear of the yeah. risk, because we didn't know what was going on, but I was also I was find myself very fortunate that actually I didn't have to go out. My wife didn't have to go out, so mm. we just created a bubble within our house. Yeah, and I can't imagine <clears> the relief for yourself going. Well, I've got to get to work. I've got to go and do this. Yeah. but at least now I ain't got to bring it back to my to my mom and, and yeah. put her at risk. And uh, yeah. it gets rid of that fear, doesn't well, it? That's what I mean. Because I think if um, my mum would have got it, which she still hasn't, um, it's just been a massive sense of guilt. Mm. Uh, and like I said, I mean, no one knew what was going to happen. It was the I plague, think. wasn't it, yeah. then? It, if it, you it, got it, you were dead. <laughs> yeah. But I had the, the same, my, I think it was my, my, my eldest daughter or my son come back with COVID for the first time. It's been in our house. And um, I said to my wife at the time, I said, look, if Calla gets this, I'm going to say that I got it originally because I didn't want the guilt of um, either one of them thinking they passed it on to my daughter. And if she did get ill then Mm. and something, you know, drastic happened, Mm. I didn't want them to feel that that guilt. I thought, I said, look, if that happens, we'll just say I tested positive and, you know, you know, just to ease them because it's it it was hard enough as it was at the time without Mm. without 
that guilt on top of it. Mm. And, and again, for someone to offer um, the B&B for you to get you oh, out of that situation, yeah, it is. And I bet you truly appreciate it. For well, that. yeah, because as I said, even at work, I was there saying, yeah, I'll, I'll go or sell, but I do need to source that accommodation. Is there any accommodation? Because there was, you know, the trust is offering. They've only got so much accommodation to offer out. And it's like, look, we're, we're, we're full. You know, the Copthorne Hotel is full. Um, the hospital accommodation is full. You know, we've got people that are still working there. Um, and I was bricking it, basically, um, to the point which is where I put out the, the message on the, the Lions Boxing Club chat. Uh, you know, it's, it felt it is horrible because I felt like I was begging. Mm. It was like, does, does anyone have a place that I could go to or um, know of any place that I could go to? Because obviously I still had a job to do, still had work to go and do, but at the same time, I still had the... I still wanted to protect my family as well so it is a weird situation to be in um, and I think that as people mention this but people who didn't see the children yeah. for ages or had to live in a caravan at the bottom of the garden or the sacrifice the people put themselves and their loved ones through mm. to do a job and at the time we, we talk about coronavirus now and oh the numbers are going up and oh it's in the school and oh at the time it was the black death mm-hmm. we didn't know I remember it and it was like a zombie apocalypse you could walk from King's Winford to Birmingham without seeing a car just loads of fat people jogging <laughs> <laughs> and dogs actually having a walk but yeah. but at the time it was the end of the world and then for you brave souls to leave your loved ones leave your homes to go and keep the rest of us safe it's remarkable thanks and it um, wasn't just you know standing out on the Thursday going oh thank you very much <laughs> and then what we've taught and we're going to go into this more but I'm going to go on to it one thinking about it is when the government then after you could have potentially sacrificed your lives your loved ones your relationships people who weren't seeing their partners and their children and then we're going to lose their jobs if they didn't get the vaccine mm. and you're thinking but we have sacrificed everything for a year to year and a half, and now you can lose our jobs. Slap in the face. And if it was, if you have this injection, you cannot pass it on. I could have maybe thought, mm, but, but it was the only person, you could still pass it on whether you've got the injection yeah. or not any. The only person it's going to affect is yourself. Mm. Like, if you're willing to go on the ICU with these very poorly people, if you're willing to put your hand into someone's mouth and pump the chest, and the only person who's going to make bad is you, that should be your choice, in my opinion. Well, yeah, the NHS is built on patient choice. And either way you look at it, if you're a British citizen, you are, you know, a, a patient of the NHS. Um, but it's almost like that got took away. You know, you didn't have patient choice working for the NHS because... Well, you had the choice. It was either have the injection or lose your job. Um, so COVID is either going to screw you up by getting it if you got the if you did have COVID, or it's going to screw you up financially. Uh, you know, people's you know carers, like like we were saying earlier. You know, I mean, they did a U-turn on the NHS before it was slightly too late. But a lot of the care I know people. My my mate's mum. She worked in care as long as I I remember, and she got sacked from a job because of not wanting the injection and again that was that's another thing that was new it's scary there's that much information and misinformation out there that no one really knows what it does no one knows what it's going to do in five years time ten years time but yet we was basically being forced to have it 
Um, no, we're not anti-vaxxers here, so no. we're not saying because I've had, me and Liv both had our, well, every jab going. I've right. had more jabs Absolutely. in my arm than I've had in boxing. I've had the, <laughs> I had the first two kit, but I decided not to have the third because I, I was kind of, I was at the point, well, I've had two and I was told that once you'd had them two that you were, you're kind of good to go and, um, and then I just think of myself, I think actually I'm a relatively fit under 40 year old so what is the risk of me getting it mm. and what really turned it for me was when they found out that it actually doesn't stop you spreading covid if if mm. you do have it and i thought well really because the only person I, the only person i had the vaccine for originally was to protect my daughter that was it mm. um and i thought well if it's if it makes no difference if that happens then what why am i jabbing myself with anything to be quite honest mm. you know um, that's all I'm here for in my life to make sure my family is safe and mm. housed and happy so yeah and the, the the even funnier thing is I've now had Covid my two eldest have had Covid my wife who's kept up with her vaccine she hasn't had any of it yet and my youngest daughter the one who's severely developed hasn't had Covid Touchwood uh, touch so or not that we were aware we're aware of so yeah it's I think, but I think the key is that I, you should be able to make that choice. So I made the choice to take those first two vaccines, yeah. and then I'll make the choice not to have any more at the moment. That might change down the line, but you, you have to be able to make that choice for yourself. So I remember talking to you at the gym, and I've talked to other people in the NHS in all through different level, and so it was making them physically bad yeah. because it was. I love my job. I've worked so blooming hard. I've done all this. I have been put on the earth to do this job. However, for whatever reason, I don't want it. And I don't want to turn my back on that. But at the same time, should I turn my back on it? But then I lose my home. I lose this. I lose my identity. I lose my purpose. And it was horrible for for people. And as we said about the, the poor souls in the care industry... Most of them are on minimum wage. They're having to provide medication, clean bottoms, be social workers, cleaners, all this. And they're losing their, this job of caring, and they are natural carers, and then they can go make more money in a supermarket. But if you think about the whole premise behind it, so COVID, everyone was afraid of death and dying, weren't they? Mm. And then probably the next worst thing to that is losing your job for a lot of people. Oh, because yeah. We you know. lose your job, and where does your mind wonder? Well, if I lose my job, I can't put food on the table, I can't pay for this help, I'll lose my house. And before you know it, mm-hmm. you think because you've lost your job, your entire life is is down. So the stress of of the, the losing your job is almost as much as that mm. potential of dying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the negative effects as on people's health, mm. m- mental health especially, I mean, I don't think there's any data out there, but to, you can't directly correlated but the amount of people that probably lost their job because of not having a vaccine mm. male carers and then you look at the suicide rates after that mm. I, I, I could probably put a safe bet on it probably went up I think um, it'd be really hard to correlate at the moment be just because correlate. everyone was also locked into lockdown well, exactly. and couldn't go to the job exactly I mean it, there's going to be lots of reasons yeah. for it but you know if you if you lose your, your social you know financial security and you get kicked out of a house and you lose your job that, you know, it's going to lose a lot of your self worth, mm. and it's going to drive a lot of people, unfortunately, to make mm. that ultimate decision. I mean, there's no direct; you can't get the mm. data to directly correlated, but you'd be having a safe and educated uh, guess. Yes, definitely. I'm saying that it, it probably did. And I'm glad three you, people to put it on there. I'm glad you've gone into mental health on that because we've said off air loads of times, like 
we had the brilliant Dr. Singh, who's well, um, a nice surgeon, but he was on the ICU and he's a, a boxing doctor. Great man, great, great man, Dr. Singh. And he was saying when he was there, and he said, you're having like nurse, uh, doctors and nurses who've been there for 30 years. And on the ICU, they were used to being with the mums and dads and mm. talking to them. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to keep your daughter or your husband or your wife alive? And But when it, when you're on your own, you felt like a robot. And they're saying, it's so hard. But then to be like, it's your first or second job mm. and going into a battlefield of sadness and death. I think we're going to see a massive boom of PTSD in the next very close future. Well, as I said, I've been on the course all week and one of the information slides that popped up today um, was the amount of, well, it is, it is the amount of anxiety, depression, um, PTSD um, um, de demonstrated by, by, I think it's FY1, so first year one medical um, practitioners, so junior, junior doctors. I think it is 48% showed signs of anxiety or you know clinical anxiety 48 percent showed signs of clinical depression i think it's 23 percent um showed signs of um ptsd and at least 52 percent had one of those so and 52 and that's a massive that's a big but That's you know what the cold. crazy thing is about this? Because we, again, we've spoke about this before. We do talks to to groups uh, like Hig Solicitors, absolutely fantastic supporters. But we go there and do talks. We do talk with Orbit. We do talks very various companies out there. I've said it before on there, uh, on here and with them, that it's it's all well and good doing your mental health first aid course, your, you know, getting all that in place and kind of, my feeling is it's going to a tick box exercise. Right, we're doing this mm. for mental health. We're doing this, and it's exactly the same with that because I know they're offer they were offering counselling. We spoke to who did we speak Glenn. to the nurse Glenn. We spoke to Glenn over the podcast. He said, "Yep, they they've been offering counselling, so you can get counselling." But they're kind of missing the point to me because you, you're treating something, whereas actually all these companies out there look at the look at the way you structure. Are you overworking? the people in your work are you putting undue stress on them because that's the first place to help people's mental health forget mm. a mental health course go i tell you what let's lower your hours let's give you less stress let you know what i mean you can make that work environment better and and cure it at that point before they're getting down to a mental health problem before you need um first aiders and i think it's great that you do have first aiders but look at the work culture before you start looking at counsellors I, I just like yeah, good point, Lee. But I want to tell you something about that. Like, say, fifty-two percent of the people have got one of those things. But that means I, I virtually guarantee that number's higher because mm. a lot of people don't admit it. Because yeah. if I admit I'm, I'm having a wobble, I could potentially lose my job mm. because I might, I might. You might think I'm less. Some people aren't as open as we, us three, are, who can discuss it. Some people, you know, they they couldn't ever say I'm having panic attacks or I'm, because that that's end of the world to them. They're a failure, yeah, as yeah. we know that's not true. One of the things I think people expect from workers in the NHS is, you know, that word that gets thrown out, resilience. Hmm. So you know, we were discussing what resilience means. What is resilience? You know, a lot of people say are saying, I've oh, just been able to get on with things, not having some kind of emotional. Uh, attachment to things just being able to be clear and level-headed no matter what's going on i think people expect that especially especially in like ed um you know front door team and stuff if, if you walked in and saw your doctor you know crying or having a panic attack or, or your nurse is having the same thing as a patient you're thinking 
what's going on here? I think he's the one who needs a doctor, not not mm-hmm. not me. Um, but you know, it's expected. You know, because how often do you go into ED and see that happening to the doctors or the staff? I mean, credit to them because they don't. But I think part of that being resilient overflows so much that, like you said, people don't want to show the fact that things are affecting them. Um, you know, and it's almost that worry of, oh, well, if if I let someone know that. Um, I'm not having a great time they're going to put me onto like a some some people don't want the interference mm. you know some people don't want the counselling they, they've got they think they've got their own ways of dealing with things mm. uh, so that idea of having a counsellor having someone talk to them about it would be the last thing on the mind they'd be thinking oh that might put me too far into it um, so yeah I can guarantee the number of it probably is a lot higher than what the statistics show because people just don't want to talk and it is it's that I know people have had postnatal depression mm. and stuff. The thing I don't admit because I take my baby away, or I don't want to admit I'm having this because they'll they'll put me in bushy fields, or I don't want to admit because and we catastrophize, don't we? Mm. If I admit that I'm mentally poorly or mentally unwell, then it will be the end. So I, what I'll do is I will cover it up. I'll cover it up with whatever, be it substance abuse or just not talking about it, whatever it is, bad habits, eating. And by covering it up, we make it worse. And hopefully by having these conversations that we are having now, we'll allow the conversations to get easier. But let's face it, these people, and as you say, we we expect doctors and nurses to almost be gods. They can't make mistakes because he's a doctor and she's a nurse or he's a nurse. And they're human beings. Mm -hmm. They're human beings with real-life problems, real-life families, real, and human beings make mistakes. In a hu- high-pressure environment as well. And we get frightened of making mistakes. And as we know, when we're more frightened about making mistakes, more likely we're going to make a mistake. And, uh, you know, now that, fingers crossed, well, we're not going to an end of it, but we're kind of, it's become more normalised, we should be doing more for them. And uh, something as daft as... The parking. We keep saying this when we've had counsellors on, haven't we, Lee? Mm. Making work. The people who go to hospital mm. yeah. are either poorly, they're visiting someone who's poorly, or they're working there. Yeah, this is. <laughs> they're not going to Horton Towers. <laughs> this is one of the running things that we keep having. It's one of the biggest complaints. That's why, you know, parking should be free. You know, it's, it's not even free for the staff. We've got to pay for mm. a parking permit. And then when the parking occasionally will get full, we all have to park on the, the, the front staff. Well, it says staff and visitors on the floor. It's, it's not. It's only for visitors now. Um, and it's like, you know, we have to pay for a parking permit. That gets full. We have to park cheekily round on the front. Mm-hmm. And then the, the security, I think it's a privately owned car park. So there's security yeah, there saying, oh, so, you know, you shouldn't be parking on it. It's like, well, I've paid for a staff permit. Yet mm-hmm. you, you still can't get my car in there. I'm asking for names and stuff because then they want it to report it to your to your manager, your lion manager. So it's obviously Mr. Kerr. What's your first name, Wayne? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and see see if they get it on. But it's it's a joke, isn't it? But the thing is, like you pop there for I don't know. I mean, you you know it's more than Millie, but I was also having my venous extra my blood mm. test. Sometimes, like, is it anything over ten minutes? It's two pound. Fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes. It's free, but. Well, and you, the, it takes you 15 minutes to get in and out of the place. And then it's £2.50. But it's so dear, what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's so... And once again, you're working there, so that's mm. coming out of your money. Mm. You're poorly, so you're not earning. 
you're visiting someone, so you're, you're having time off working. Or you're a pensioner. You're a pensioner. A lot of old people there. You're, you're, you're can, picking... I, can I say, though, um, recently, hopefully hopefully it's from our conversations a bit, but disabled and now allowed to park on buses all for free. Oh, really? Yes. If you've got a blue badge, you can give them your blue badge number at the do- at the at the uh, buzzer. I don't know what you call yeah. it, the lift, the yeah. the thing that lets you in, and, the, and you are allowed to park for free. For free on Russell's Hall with a blue badge. So hopefully, I mean, because once again, if it was owned by Russell's Hall and it was a pound for a stay or whatever, and you know that pound was going into everything, into the hospital, into the cleaners, into maintenance, you think, oh well, I'm doing my bit. Mm. But when it's going to a, a very, very wealthy person, you're thinking, yeah, how has that been allowed to happen? You know, what a genius. I'm going to buy this land. What are you going to do? You're going to build houses? No. You're going to build the school? No. What are you going to do? I'm going to tarmac and do loads of white lines. <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. get a billion pound a year. Maintenance, and that's just low, isn't it? <laughs> it's bonkers, isn't he? Yeah. But hopefully, once again, I'm over the moon to hear that, though, Lee. That it's it's one step closer. The next step's got to be... I mean, they've done it after I've been there. Um, to, I bet you, over the years, I've got to spent on parking just at Russell's or close to £5,000. Mm. I'd say... But the question is as well, so that's that's a great start, but how many people who are probably worthy of a disabled badge mm-hmm. are in the hospital and then they've got, you know, the, the next kid visiting who mm-hmm. doesn't have the, the disabled badge. badge? So now, so it's, it's a brilliant start. I mean, it's mm. excellent, but that's where well, the kind of show I'm with, 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 with Kev on it that uh, uh, it, I would have no problem at all mm. paying... I wouldn't. I don't think it ought to be as much as it is, but paying a sum for um, if it was going back into helping that hospital, it's the same as the um, the Starbucks. Is it in there? That's not owned by the hospital. No. You think that you've got two yeah. avenues there? The only two avenues. Are, 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 I'm sorry. And a W H Smith. W H Smith that earns money in that yep. hospital, but it doesn't go back into the hospital. And you just think to yourself, yeah, "Well, hold on." Back, back to what Sam was saying about like. Uh, the next to kin or someone. How about what we were on about the other day on our podcast, which you can catch on YouTube and find us on any podcast platform. But we were saying, like at the moment, I keep going and I've got a blue badge, but I've also got a concessions card, no photos or anything. But then I'll say, to have a concession, you've got to bring in a letter. But that letter could be anyone. So why don't we have like a a photo ID, like a, por- a, a portable blue badge to take out the car, mm. and your carer... Who has to carry allowance to have a photo ID? Funny mm. enough, Kev, someone messaged us on Facebook after after our show. Unfortunately, so we'd, I wasn't able to read it on air. And, and she applied for two cars that did the same. The flaw was that no one recognised those. Oh. <laughs> but if we could get this in practice, and hopefully yeah. once again we're having this conversation, hopefully people pick up on it. If we could have that and go, here's my blue badge, and then I'm in hospital, and my Kate comes. She can go, here's my badge, uh, here's my thing, so we haven't got... You know what I mean? Yeah. So she would have to have the parking. The next thing, obviously, is staff. Well, I think that's... To me, that is the first thing, to be quite honest. That's the first thing you, sh- you should deal with. There's no... People shouldn't have to pay to get to work. No. Like, to park the car <laughs> to get to work. Especially in somewhere where you've got to... It, you've got to go there. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's yeah. no getting around it. Yeah. You've got to go there. And it's not like you're turning up just... 
for a jolly or yeah. for a yeah. you go in there to do a pacific thing so yeah you should you should i mean it was free all the way over covid but again why should it just be free over covid, COVID yeah. it's been re- i think it's been reintroduced over the last month or mm. something where it starts coming out your salary and stuff it's like you, you kind of you, but i think you buy into the fact of oh i don't mind it's only mm. but at the same time oh what you're saying why should you have to pay to go to work why yeah. yeah and it's only a little bit with um so a, a nurse who's just starting out mm. student nurse who has to go there and park every day that only little bit especially with the times with the prices rising mm-hmm. that that little bit's a, a lot to some people yeah you know but you're is, talking you're talking a band five qualified nurse let's make it more realistic if you're talking like a, a band two porter or csw you know there's mm-hmm. CSW there and like I was saying earlier imagine that's uh, a single parent with two kids mm-hmm. to feed and, and as you were saying earlier as well that a lot of um, nurses now have second jobs yeah because second they can't jobs. afford often nurses salary and that you know, criminals that yeah. really but, but I think what does annoy me is when Covid happened it's funny <laughs> like people who work at the hospital can they pay for free mm. the homeless can have a roof over the head and it's like wow Man, we, we can do this. We can, we can actually be the country that Great Britain should be. And then, oh, well, it's kind of over now. All right, then, back on the streets, back to pay. And they think, well, if we can do it, then we can do it. Mm. Let's find the money from somewhere else. But I find it really bizarre. We had um, uh, Sherry Gillings on, and I was speaking to her on the way back in the car because she, do, she does a lot of work with the homeless, doesn't she? She's yeah. just telling me then that... Um, that if the temperature drops below a certain amount that the local government then has to put anyone homeless into accommodation. And I just think, well, if you can do that, because mm. the temperature's drop, why are you not doing it all the time? How long's that been going for, though? Because I remember, was it last year, when, when that beast from the east came about? There's people freezing and dying, dying in Birmingham. Mm. Yeah. Just throw I don't. Just, I couldn't tell you how long that was. That, that was the kind of the extent of the conversation. Oh. But it just shocked me that I think. Well, what, if you can do you it do then, it anyway? why, why are we not doing that all because the time? Like I said, this is a new. Um, I don't know if you've heard it. There's a new advert that I heard on the on the radio the other day. It keeps on saying, "Oh, no place, no job, no job, no bank account." It, but if you got, if you ain't got a place of accommodation, you can't have a bank account. So you can't have a job because you, mm-hmm. it keeps on going. It, it's if you if you can help people, just just do it. Do it, yeah. I look at some of these massive factories around here in the Black Country. We could be turning them into little villages. Mm. In there, with this roof over, little like um, containers in there with running water, and they could have like a number seven where your mail comes. Mm. There's so many. But I saw it somewhere else. Had done that. Where I pinched your idea from. But there's so. Who's using Not them? original as usual. Eh? No, yeah, but... <laughs> He's always rubbing Copy my right. ideas. But that's what we're going to do. That's what we should be doing, sharing and pinching yeah. each other's ideas. Yeah. But what... And it's like, oh, well, if it's under minus seven, we're... But minus six is also blooming cold. Yeah. And sometimes it's only uh, two degrees, but it's wet and windy. And there's nothing wet. Once you get wet and it's cold, you stay wet, don't you? When your socks are wet and you're vile. So there's so much we can do out there. And this is where the charities... Mm. If the government... Oh, I'm going to do it. We've got so many wonderful charities. But this is what we've got to start doing. But, like, back to back to you. We always go off on tangents. But, but like, that with the parking and noise... And especially after the price that all of you have paid. Mm. I mean, what what is the vibe at the moment? Is there a vibe that... 
oh, it's great, we're getting back to normal, or is he, it's going to hit the fan again? Um, it's hard to say. I think it's just a bit of, it's weird. That's that. That's the best way to put it at the minute, because obviously everywhere, like even with track and trace and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, COVID sickness. So you know, the the governmental guidelines. So if you got COVID, just carry on as you are. Yeah. Um, but obviously at hospitals, you've got to have two negative um, lateral flows before you can come back. Um, you still got to be wearing masks, which you know it's not. It's not the best thing. It's not the worst thing. Um, so it's, it's all a bit confused, I think, because some things are happening elsewhere and then it's not happening in hospitals or um, trust dependence. So some things are happening in some trusts, some things happen differently in other trusts. Um, like the only, the only the other day, they got rid of all the um, like the social distancing. So we can we're back to having we can have normal meetings again now or you don't have to in that canteen place in, in Russell's Hall you don't have to be on um, one person on the table like the one of the really sh- stupid um, rules was that if you sat down on the table you couldn't put your mask on the table and I'm like we're thinking well where am I going to put it because you can't put it on the seat you can't put it on the table I can't keep wearing it while I'm eating something <laughs> And I always used to get a right telling off about it. And my, my logic was, well, you know, the you know the the, the, the cleaner come up to and say, oh, you can't put it there, you can't put it there. And it's like, okay, so, but you're going to wipe the table after I finish anyway because mm. that's literally what you have to do now because of COVID. So even if I put the mask on there, why is that any different because it's going to get cleaned? But that's just one of the examples of the stupid rules that was going around. It just didn't make sense. It was done because it was said so mm. kind of thing and that's I think that's that's one of the issues with the NHS is a lot of things that happen because it's all the red tape behind it and that has to happen but there's no thought behind it and that's just one of the examples I, I don't just find out with the world not just NHS <laughs> but it's you're thinking yeah. you don't live in the real world no. we've seen in boxing seen in NHS seen in every workplace everyone who's listening to something blooming neck here and the people who make the rules hmm aren't the ones who actually do the jobs. Or follow them. Yeah. Or follow them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. seeing there, Flumineck. <laughs> but, I mean, what well, again, we've had been political, but what a spit in the face that was to ourselves and the NHS workers and the shop workers and the bin men and everyone who sacrificed, and then you've got people doing that. But we'll leave that conversation alone. <laughs> but, like, sh- should we go to a few more songs... Let's do it. And we're back. Oh, Robert enjoyed that mix then, Lee. It was good, wasn't it? Very good. <laughs> it was a bit of a well, sudden ending, though. It caught me out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Sam, we're almost at the end of the episode now. But uh, I think what I love having people on, I mean, what I've learned today is about that um, good lung, bad lung thing. I mean, I'll take that away with me. And it's funny, by having these conversations, I've learned something. Mm. I want to say a massive thank you to Higgs Solicitors who are doing the Bridge North Walk on Monday and they're raising money for us. And what a great organisation. They, you know, they're putting the money with the mouthies and helping little CICs like ourselves. So a massive thank you to all of them for doing what they're doing. Uh, I'd also like to promote, uh, selfishly uh, promote, as I like to do, uh, the Lions ABC have got a boxing show on Sunday the 8th of May at Quarrybank Conservative Club. 
at the moment we've got 20 bouts a lot of that could change you know we've match in as anyone from the amateur boxing world will know how stressful it can be but we've got uh, like Osman Mohammed who's just gone to uh, the Europeans come back with a bronze uh, ben Collins, another England lad. We've got skills matches, we've got seniors, youths, and you can see the beauty which is amateur boxing. We had uh, Councillor Adam Davis up the club last night with the Express and Star, and it was great having these councillors and politicians and the press. And when you see the Lions in full flow, and you've got every colour, every economical balance of some's wealthy, some's poor and, and no one gives a monkeys and everyone's just training together because we see boxers as these gladiators which they are, they're getting there and doing everything but the amount of love that goes around the sport and fills the gym is brilliant and I wish more people who don't like boxing would actually come into a boxing gym and see you're not just a coach or a parent or a counsellor you are the support that you know so many people haven't got and the people who have got it even better because they've got a little bit more love in their lives so Please come and check out the show. Come and witness it. It's £15 if you buy it from the gym or £20 on the door or £5 for 16 years and under. What can you get for that? them prices nowadays? I've heard you're looking for sponsors as well, Kev. Of course. I mean, with all these prices going up, um, and we charge £2.50 for children, £5 for adults, £3 for adults if they're not working, plus doing all the free day classes we're doing, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, mixed class. Wednesdays and Fridays um, for ladies only. But it's hard to keep the wolf from the door. When you keep it so cheap, so people can come. But that's why it's great when we have sponsors to help us out. Because it's all right saying get grants, get grants. They're so hard to get and money's getting so tight. But people could like to sponsor about or the gloves or the trophies or whatever a little bit will go a long way when you've got nothing so if you would like to sponsor find us on Lions Amateur Boxing Club Facebook or Kev Lions Dylan Instagram or of course the Black Country blokes on anything and the Black Country blokes are on everything aren't they like they're on absolutely everything and everywhere you can't get rid of us <laughs> but if you'd like to put a sponsor in It'd be very appreciated, and we'll always give you a shout out on here, podcast, and our social medias. But Sam, thank you, brother, for coming on. Thanks for having me. I mean, have you got any quotes or sayings that have helped you get through life? Um, there's been one that obviously my family say quite a lot. It's uh, you know, it's um, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. And I think. Quite a few people say that, but yeah, it's uh, something that apparently my granddad used to say. Um, unfortunately, I never got to meet him. Um, but yeah, my dad's dad, my, my dad's dad. So my dad's always quite said it quite often. Um, yeah, important to be nice, but nice to be uh, sorry, nice to be important, but more important to be nice. And I think that's right. I think being kind and being nice is so underestimated, but everything's contagious. If you're vile. If you bump into me in the street and you stare at me, I'll probably bump into Lee. But if you smile, and we saw this in the coronavirus, in the lot of you're walking down and you'd see a random person walking the dog and you'd smile and they would smile. So just mind what you're throwing out into the universe because whatever you throw about is going to bounce back at you at some stage anyway. So be kind, be courteous, be polite. Lee, anything you want to say before we go? 
Yeah, Kev, who have we got on next week? Who have we got on next week? We have got Dave Stocks, who's coming on from Suicide Prevention. He'll be coming on to talk about all the things. There's a new thing where they're trying to get barbers, mental health first aiders. Because who do you talk to as a bloke? You talk to the barman, you talk to the barber, and you talk to the people in the gym. So I think it's a great idea, getting these people in the trenches mental health trained. And on Tuesday on our podcast, we've got the brilliant Joe Plum. And you can always find us live on everywhere. <laughs> Facebook. To get through. Yeah. It's on YouTube. And just search the Black Country Blokes. Facebook, the Black Country Blokes we go live on. Twitter we go live on. And that is at TBC Blokes. Instagram we don't go live on, do we? No, we LinkedIn don't. we go live on, though. <laughs> and that is the Black Country Blokes. And that's at half seven on Tuesdays till whenever we finish and if you do miss it you can catch all episodes on our podcast platforms and if you are listening on apple music please just leave us a review more good reviews and more five stars then we'll start climbing up the charts blooming neck we were looking at <laughs> our world charts and we're at, we, we, we've got places everywhere out malipo how many we've got around the world from russia to ghana denmark it's phenomenal there was originally four of us but two of us just, you know, there's two yam-yams talking as we talk all around the world. And Big in America now, aren't we, Kev? Oh, massive in the States, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where, probably Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> but it's remarkable, isn't it? And considering that, that uh, careers officer said to me, you'll never be able to be a journalist and do it, you know, isn't it wonderful what you can do? If, uh, you, you don't let people to tell you that you can't do it. Isn't that one of the keys to life? Isn't it just? Yeah. If you've got a passion for it, go and follow it. And, yeah, and that's what I, I've lived my life by. Impossible is a large word thrown around by small-minded people to stop you from achieving what you know you can do. Everything's impossible until one brave person does it. It was impossible that Muhammad Ali would beat Sonny Liston. It was impossible that they put a man on the moon. But, you know, once one person's done it, then it becomes possible. So you've got to be the person, the first brave person who does it. You know what I mean? And, be, and by doing that, you'll be remembered forever. Sam, once again, brother, are you coming up the gym this week? Yeah, I'll be there, um, <clears throat> obviously, Monday, Wednesday, uh, and that's it. So we're down to our last minute now, Kev. Brilliant. Well, guys, as always, if you'd like to come on the show, if you've got any comments, if there's any feedback... Please post on our social medias. Be a part of the conversation because every conf- every conversation is worth sharing. I've enjoyed it as always. So until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tarot a bit. <laughs>